Good evening, everyone. It's good to be here. I love your passion. I love your passion. It's great. It's great to see. Um, so unassuming. You know, you come in here and you think, oh, what's going to happen here? I've never been here before. Uh, I've been once to visit, but, you know, never been on a Tuesday. And I just think, wow, you guys just, you know, you want to sense the Holy Spirit today. It's fantastic. I just want to give you that encouragement. I do want to pray just before we start. We want to bring the Holy Spirit into this message because, you know, it's not about me. It's not about you in that sense. It's all about God. And we just honor him with this message today. So, Father, we want to hold up your word and say it's true. It has authority in this place, has authority in our hearts. And we want you and ask you to bless this place, bless this time together, uh, just as we get into and enjoy your word uh, and discover what you've got for us, discover the relationship you've set up for us so we can have a loving relationship with our creator in heaven. Uh, Lord, we just want to thank you today that you are an awesome God awesome indeed. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Uh, just quickly before I start, I'll just tell you that I've been a Christian for about 12 years, uh, and um, I was uh, reckless in the wrong way. Uh, I just kind of never thought of anything about whether there was a God to some degree. I always felt there was something in there, but not really uh, engaging with it. Uh, and then a pastor, um, when, after, when I was, before I got married, um, he chased me down and he, he kept trying to talk to me about the Bible. And he says, uh, he says, uh, why don't we talk? Why don't we go down a pub? Why don't we have a drink? And he just wouldn't let me go. He just kept inviting me out for a drink, another drink. <sighs> so I said, look, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to ask some questions. And my goodness, did I, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't really drink. I don't, it, that wasn't the thing that attracted me. But you know what? There was someone who just wanted to get to know me. And I thought, why not? What have I got to lose, right? Uh, so he just uh, kept uh, going for me, <laughs> kept aiming at me, uh, and then he just, uh, he, ju he was open to all sorts of questions, and I kept asking him, and there was a point I ran out of questions, and he says, look, at some point, you're going to have to make a decision, uh, because you can ask as many questions as you like, and there are answers to some of those questions, but there are other questions you won't know, and you're just going to have to believe in God for that, there's going to be this faith, step into faith. Uh, and so that started my journey, and he's a, he was a very passionate uh, pastor at our church at the time, and he's still a very passionate guy. Um, and so, you know, all these people that come around us just to help us and just to seek us out, God's leading people to do that. Uh, and I just love that prayer that, you know, the enemy is being, is being beaten and, ta and taken away, and victory is being won, uh, and victory is already won, but Jesus is in our hearts, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read out this, Romans 6. And we're going to uh, look at Romans 6, 1 to 14. Um, yeah, let's read this. Uh, what shall we say then? Are we to remain in sin so that grace may increase? Absolutely not. How can we who died into sin still live in it? Or do not many as were baptized Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too may live a new life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be united in the likeness of his resurrection. We know that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin would no longer dominate us, so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for someone who has died has been freed from sin. 
Now, if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that since Christ has been raised from the dead, he is never going to die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. For death, he died. He died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not present your members to sin as instruments used for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who are alive from the dead and your members to God as instruments to be used for righteousness. For sin will have no mastery over you because you are not under law, but under grace. Amen. <sighs> who decided on this to do Romans? <laughs> of course you did. Um, I love Romans. Uh, it's one of those... Um, books where you have to really dig into it and really get into it because there's little words that we miss uh, in these. So we can do whole sections and really miss one word that could just change a sermon in, a, in, a, in an instant, change a message in an instant. Uh, and I thought what we'd do is just look at this um, before we get to Romans 6. There's actually the last verse in Romans 5, um, verse 20, and it says, now the law came in so that tr- the transgression may increase, but where sin increased, Grace multiplied all the more. What's Paul doing? Because he's just said in our verses in Romans 6, we shouldn't do that. And yet in Romans 5, we're hearing, well, but if badness went on, grace increased. And what Paul's doing here, he's kind of playing like a little devil's advocate. And he's not the devil's advocate, obviously, but that's our terminology that we use. And he's, he's playing this this other part, and he's, he's expecting a question of someone going, well, if grace is unlimited, then why do we need to change? Because grace will just abound more than sin. Every time I sin, grace is more than that. Grace is more than sin. Why can't I just carry on living my life as I am? So he knows the challenge he's going to get when, he hears, uh, when he's saying the words, when sin increased, grace multiplied all the more. So he quickly wants to kill this notion was to kill this notion that if grace is God's act to forgive and accept sinners on the basis of Christ's righteousness and not ours, then would not that grace shine all the brighter if we kept on sinning? Surely Paul must be saying in Romans 5 that the more sin there is, the more forgiveness there is. And the more sinning there is, the greater must be the righteousness of Christ to compensate for it. We have our clue in Romans 6, don't we? He says, absolutely not. In our translation in English, he, they, they put an exclamation mark, but actually in what it means, it's actually a complete no way. I'm not even part of that. Absolutely not. It's no, no way, not here, not this message. How can we who are freed from sin still be dominated by it? This, this verse I'm about to read is actually in the Bible. Proverbs 26, verse 11. Like a dog that returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his folly. Would you ever expected that verse in the Bible? So a dog that repeats... Do you understand what's going on here? What you've got here is this verse is connecting with this and maybe gives you a sense of where Paul's going in that. Uh, we don't go back to that. It's so horrid. And yet we would go back to it to eat it up, to do it again. And actually, he's trying to paint a picture that it's not going to help you. It's not going to get you anywhere to do that. It's not, it's not going to be healthy for you for a start. 
Maybe in Paul's time, there were people that were looking for technicalities or legalisms to live for Christ, but at the same time wanting to hold on to that old life. I thought about this, maybe what happens today? How could we see this today? Maybe walking into a shop, taking something, and walking straight out without paying for it and saying, yep, but the grace abounds, I can take this. It's fine because grace is more. As you're interviewed by the security guard, you say, but grace, I didn't pay for it because of grace. There's more than this. The consequence of living that way is that not only does it blur the faith we claim to live by, but it also does not make us a light for Christ for others to come to. And for me, this appears to address a kind of false gospel teaching that you can have Christ without repentance, that you can have Christ without saying sorry, without genuinely coming to him and saying, I admit, I'm a mess. And you know, we paint this picture, sometimes it's painted incorrectly that repentance is kind of a horrible thing to go through, and it is. But my goodness, when it's true repentance of breaking you, it's release. It's not meant to put you down. It's not meant to kill you. I mean, it kills your old life. But my goodness, it sets you free. It's like the chains are set free totally. Never underestimate the power of repentance. I think we can easily accept the forgiveness from Christ, but often it's harder for us to admit that we are wrong and show that repentance. But when we do admit it, not only are we forgiven, but we get to live in the fullness of that forgiveness and a new life in Christ. Many years ago, many, many years ago, I used to live in Hounslow on my own, southwest London, uh, and I had a little room in a multiple occupancy house. Uh, and I'd moved out from my parents and I'd gone there and I was working nearby. Uh, and for me, once I moved out of my parents' home, I couldn't go back. So, no, this is it. I'm starting a new life. I'm starting a new beginning. I'm starting again. And it would seem like this backward step every time I think I've got, I haven't got enough money. I need to keep trying to have money to pay this rent. It's high rent in Hounslow, in case you don't know. It's very high rent. But every week without fail, I would drive all the way over to the other side of London and take my dirty clothes to get washed by my mum and dad. No, I'm still independent. I'm living this life. I'm going to do this. Every week without fail, I would drive over. I would get them washed. They would be dried and ironed ready on hangers, ready to take back. I've got things to do. I'm living my life. I'm going out. I'm enjoying myself. I'm partying. You deal with all that stuff. There was a washing machine in the house as well, but, you know, I created all sorts of reasons why I wouldn't use it. Too old, not sure there's something wrong with it. Who's been using it before? And it looks broken to me. I've not even tested it, but it must be broken. Maybe I had another reason. My mum seemed happy to do it, maybe. Maybe it gave her added purpose. After all that, what mum would not want to do everything for the baby of the family? I have two other brothers as well. What mum would not want to do washing, up, washing, drying and ironing for the baby of the family? Well, I wonder if you're just starting to see the problem with this arrangement in relation to the message. So Paul makes it something very clear in the middle section of the text, uh, he says in verse 6, he says, We know that our old man was crucified with him so that the body of sin would no longer dominate us. 
dominate. I mean, in this translation, there's different translations. But that's a powerful word. Some use enslavement, different words to describe the same thing. To dominate us so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For someone who has died has been freed from sin. And here's where we must keep the context of what Paul is saying to avoid falling into perfectionism. Because this could so easily lead uh, and be misunderstood as a message of trying to be perfect on earth, of trying to be absolutely perfect with no sin whatsoever. We must be careful. This is not what Paul is saying. Paul says if you're a believer in Christ, if your old life has been crucified with Christ, then you are no longer a slave to sin or enslaved to sin. The new life we are granted isn't given so we can live for ourselves. This is what he's saying. Enslavement is different from the sin that we do because we're just broken, because we live in this broken world, a sinful world. We live in sinful body, sinful flesh. That's not what they call habitual sin, where it's repetitive. You do the same thing and you know you're doing it. You acknowledge that you're doing that sin. The sin where you might get angry or you might, you know, we're not talking about being perfect here because we can't be. We can't be perfect here on earth. But we don't live for ourselves when we uh, give our lives to Christ. With the new life, we live to God. We aren't dead to sin, uh, free from sin and given eternal life to live as we please, but to live to please God. We are here to live to please him. And you know what? Along the way, it gets messy. Along the way, it struggles after struggle after struggle. But you, you know what that is? Do you, know, do you understand why that is? Um, I won't mention a film because there's no point. But there is, a, there is this concept that you think about this for a second. What you didn't know before you came to Christ was that you didn't know anything about Christ. You didn't know the truth of what was really going on behind what the world was, was, was doing, was out to get us. The enemy was out, is out to get us, is out to find people and, and kind of recruit people as it were. But now you know the truth now your eyes have been opened, here's what happens. You see more things that, could, that are now temptation, that are now sin. You now recognize what sin is, and so it becomes much harder, much harder. Now you've, your eyes have been opened to the truth of Jesus Christ. Don't be surprised that it gets hard. Jesus said it will get hard. Towards the end times, it gets hard. Across the world, Christians will not be safe. It gets hard. Dig deep. Find Jesus. Find the Holy Spirit. Hang on. Chase after him, as it were. What Paul is saying here is that you cannot live in sin if you are for Christ. What he doesn't say is that we don't commit sin. Live is a different word entirely. Is your life dominated by sin? That's what he's saying. Because that's the thing he says you can't do. If you believe in Christ, surely that doesn't work with what you've just learned about Jesus. It's not compatible with living in Jesus. So there's acknowledgement. And when I said about one word in, in Romans, especially in all these, these books that get really into the deep, deep dive of this stuff, live is an important word. For the rest of your life, you will need to keep seeking Jesus for your strength. You will need to keep doing it. Because coming to Jesus isn't this quick fix thing. It's a relationship. It's so much more than a quick fix. 
It's having a relationship with the holy God of the universe. Just imagine that for a second. When we were worshipping just earlier, you know what we're doing there? We're entering the throne room. We're coming to God, and God says, you're welcome. That's insane. That is crazy. How can a perfect God who sits on the throne invite these imperfect people into his throne room? My head's blown. I don't get it. I don't get how you welcome me in. Well, I do. It's Jesus, obviously. It's always Jesus. But you understand what I mean. Approaching God. Permission. You're allowed. He wants you to come. So the question is, what Paul is really asking is, do I so believe in Christ and what he did that I'm a slave to him? Because it says in the text, slave as well. Many parts of the Bible talk about being a slave to Jesus, a slave. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as slave to sin. It's this weird paradox, this weird thing that doesn't make sense. It's a slave, but it's not a slave. It's a slave, but it's freedom in slavery. How does that work? You read the Bible, how many times is this doesn't make sense? He's saying this, but then he's saying this. How many times are these words that we use in the world are for negativity? to negatively show uh, the, the power of the world. And actually, when Jesus uses them, they have a totally different meaning, totally new power to them. So we need to remember that we are in a time of sanctification, as you are going to be learning. And that is whilst we have taken up the offer of salvation from Jesus, which involves repentance and becoming a new creation in him, we're still living in a broken, sinful world, in broken, sinful flesh. So whilst we're here on earth, I believe this concept that one pastor said once, and he says, whilst we're here, we're training. We're getting ready for the big day. We're getting ready when we will meet uh, Jesus in the air, we'll meet, when we'll meet him in the air, as the song goes. This is training for that day. And you know what happens in training? We get it wrong. We mess up. We mess things up, and that's okay, because grace abounds. Grace is more than your mess-ups. Grace is more than your mistakes. And as long as we come back and say, oh, Lord, forgive me. There's no negotiation. There's no condition. You're forgiven. With a genuine heart of repentance, he says, you are forgiven. That's awesome. When we finally meet him, will become fully sanctified, a new creation in the fullest sense. Paul put it like this in Philippians 3, verse 12. He says, uh, and it's titled in some Bibles, in my one, it's called Keep Going Forward. And it says, not that I've attained the, already attained this, that is, I've not already been perfected. You know, there's, there's just like the way any of the, the books speak, there is no way you can find a bit in there that's contradictory. We go on to Philippians and we find Paul saying the same thing, but explaining what he's saying in Romans as well by saying, I've not already been perfected, but I strive to lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. He will keep going, seeking Jesus. And what's Paul laying hold of? Romans 6, verse 10 to 11 says, For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus.
You see, what Paul's saying is because Jesus did that, I'm going to do that. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to see where this goes. As Christians, Paul says we must present ourselves to God to be used for righteousness. He says we should consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ. The language, consider. Is that, is that writing us off because we're imperfect, because there's something wrong with us? No, he says consider. It's like, a, it's like begging, consider, please. Consider yourself, ourselves dead to sin. And if you consider yourself dead to sin, then you realize that Jesus Christ has mastered sin. It is dead. So consider yourselves dead to sin, but alive in Christ. It's purposeful. And he uses these words, he says, consider so that we may, or we will certainly, or we know and would no longer. You see all the language that he's using is amazing. It's great language. Encouragement. Consider so that we... You know, there's no abomination stuff in this. He says, oh, so that we may, so that we can, so that we will. For me, living in uh, Hounslow, taking my washing to my parents' house across the other side of London was really me not wanting to take up the full responsibility uh, in the new life I was living. But I wanted both. I loved the stuff of the old life. I loved it. You know, there was other things that I still didn't want to live. I convinced myself that I was living a new life when in fact I was taking along with me part of the old life. I was blind. I was living in my old life because I didn't fully appreciate the new life that I'd been offered. I thought to some extent they were interchangeable without compromising my new life. But it did. It did compromise my new life. It gave me this false sense of security. And I can only say this because I look back on it and go, I was so naive to think that that was me living this new life. And actually, I didn't embrace it fully. I didn't take it on. You may have guessed by now that this is a metaphor for what Paul's talking about. But it was to the point where life was manic, it was hectic, stressful. Just added to an extension onto my already old life, I was still actually living. Didn't really live, start living a new life, I just added an extension. I built an extension and thought, I'll live in here for a little while. So in amongst all the challenges of living to display Christ, all the challenges that that brings with it when we talk to people, when we meet people in the street, wherever you are. There's a deep, glorious foundation of what happened once for all for you and me. When Christ died and what is happening progressively in you and me by faith, it's just going to keep going. You know, we get this sense in the Bible that um, when uh, we talk about things that are challenging to us, that tempt us away or even sin that we fall to, um, there's a sense of dismissing and, and there's right as a part of that where we of course sin. We, we don't want to do sin, absolutely. And we praise God and we say, Lord, forgive me and, and strengthen me. But here's what is happening in that also. Uh, there's always this aspect in the Bible where God's sharpening us. Where God turns, takes something and he turns it 
into something that is good for us. And I'm not saying the sin is good for us. I'm saying what he does with it afterwards is sharpening. And he just keeps sharpening. And we need to be careful not to dismiss these challenges in that sense, that we just push them away. Because we need to, in Christ, through the Holy Spirit, we need to engage with God. And we need to learn how to get sharpened. We won't at any point accept that sin is ever going to be good for us. It is not good for us. But there's like this beauty that you see in God, this protection that he gives us through the Holy Spirit. And he says, I won't test you beyond what you're capable of. So many times I'm about to hold on to that verse. So many times. But Lord, I know this is help, this is sharp, you're sharpening me in this, and I need to see what the lesson is. And I know you won't take me beyond what I can take. Because we died, we are now free from guilt and power of sin in our fullest and truest identity. And that is our union with Christ. And because of the unshakable position and identity, we are already justified and we most certainly are being sanctified, but we are not yet perfect. And that's okay. But are you willing to engage with Jesus? Are you willing to engage with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, I don't want to do those things and I don't want to, certainly don't want to live that life that doesn't honor you and show you as the Christ Savior that you are still a choice to make. Paul goes on in Philippians 3, just as we come to the end here, 13 to 14, he says, I am single-minded, forgetting the things that are behind and reaching out for the things that are ahead. With this goal in mind, I strive toward the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You look at this verse and you get a sense straight away, what is Paul talking about? Well, if he's leaving things behind, it's the old life, isn't it? If Paul's saying, I'm going to leave this stuff behind because I'm striving towards a goal that's bigger and better, where I have uh, the kingdom of heaven waiting for me, I'm invited to come in. So Paul is not so much trying to answer one of the top ten questions asked to a Christian or by a Christian. And if you've ever seen these books, they go out and they say, what are the top 10 questions that non-Christians ask Christians? Okay, you do with them what you will. But that's not what Paul's doing here. Instead, what he's really trying to make us aware of is a principle of a determined focus on Jesus. There's no secret formula. There is the Holy Spirit who lives within us as believers who we can then engage with who speaks to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ instructs the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit continues to teach what Jesus has been teaching. So we need to have a determined focus. You might have methods. You might have things that you go put yourself in a room and pray away from people. You might have all those methods. But they must all focus, and this is my, only, my view, they must all focus on Jesus. They must all bring about a relationship with him. 
my moments of non-habitual sin, sin that isn't a habit, sin that, in those moments, sin doesn't make me think, well, that's okay because that's just made grace abound more. Instead, in those moments, because I believe in Jesus and trust what he did on the cross, however imperfect I am, it draws me even closer to him. That's what he's looking for. He's not looking for you to be ready to get yourself dressed and get your whatever. Get God accepts you as you are. But I will say this, he doesn't leave you as you are. He wants you to grow. He wants you to be the person that he sees you to be. I want to finish with this. This is a quote from Spurgeon. And he says, If God has given to you and to me an entirely new life in Christ, how can that new life spend itself after the fashion of the old life? Shall the spiritual live as the carnal? How can you that were the servants of sin but have been made free by precious blood go back to your old slavery? That's the mentality he's talking about. If I look back at my past, I go, I don't want to go back to that because I've seen the truth. I want to head towards this way. I want to head towards this way. Can I just finish this bit with a prayer? I think we need to pray into this bit, yeah? Lord, you are awesome in power over sin. And Lord, we want to thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit to dwell, live within us so that we may live through life. Trying to, determined to, focused on living for Jesus. Lord, you are great. Lord, we just want to bring all these uh, things that we might be thinking about tonight, all these things that have might have just maybe stoke something we've not really thought about before, memory we've not, um, not thought about. And just, Lord, we, we say, Lord, will you, um, will you sharpen us in our relationship with you? Will you help us to trust you even more than we ever have before? Will you teach us how to do that every day for your Holy Spirit as well, Lord? Lord, we have bad days and we have terrible days. We have great days and we have good days. But whatever the day, you're always with us. And Lord, we ask for those moments where it seems like, it seems like we can't sense your presence. That just a reminder that you are always present. You are always here. You are always living in us through your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just want to thank you and praise your holy name. Amen.